City. Hey Jake, how are you? Salt Lake Jake. 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 Welcome to Salt Lake Jake's Take. I am Salt Lake Jake. I've got my guy Pete Watkins here with us. Pete, how are we doing this morning? Jake, feeling good. Five and one, baby. Five and one, yes. And let's start there. So let's say we start the season. It's let's say it's August, preseason. Everyone's excited about everything. We get a memo from the future. It says, hey, no Cam Rising, no Brant Keithy, no Micah Pittman, no Makai Bernard. Ooh, would you be okay going five and one? And everyone would be like, oh, hell yes, I would. Like, we would take that in a heartbeat, right? So let's just talk about, first of all, how amazing of a coaching job it has been by the coaches. Yes, there are flaws with what's happened and how they've handled the offense and the quarterbacks. And it is what it is. No coaching staff is perfect. But the fact that they grinded out a 5-1 record with wins over Florida, who's on the verge of being ranked. They're, they're second in receiving votes. They're 5-2. and two. Over UCLA, who is ranked still, over a road win against Baylor, over a home win against Cal, five and one, with no quarterback, no tight end, no wide receiver, many of our running backs. I, I gotta say, man, that's pretty remarkable. If I do so, so myself, it's unbelievable. And the fact that they're really, really solid wins. Looking back, we'll look back on that schedule: Florida at Baylor, you know, you, you a great UCLA team. Um, you know, uh, a improved Cal team. Like that's it wasn't just like chop liver row. It wasn't, man. It was it was really good. And you know what? A lot of optimism is back. Granted, the offense does not look anything like it did with Cam Rising, where you just knew Rising would make stuff happen. But you know what? It was actually pretty good overall on Saturday. Granted, Cal's not the greatest team, but they're still a power five team. Um, they're still, you know, uh got talent out there and and the fact is that we were able to get 450 yards of offense, which from this offense, which was grinding around 200 yards, I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, the big change they did this week, we saw a tiny taste of it against Oregon State, but they went full on with putting Sione Vake, our starting safety, over at Wildcat quarterback. And he was unbelievably awesome back there. Yeah. Um, he had 158 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So he was, he was not only playing Wildcat quarterback, he was playing some running back as well. And he had 158 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And you know what? He looked natural back there. He was seeing the holes that it, it feels like our running backs haven't seen this year. He was quick and decisive, cutting in the hole. And he had breakaway speed, as evidenced by that 72-yard touchdown, where really he he made a cut kind of on the, on the edge there and then got around the edge and then cruised to the end zone. So he looked awesome. So I think that has provided a lot of spark and uh, a lot of optimism for what's coming up because, man, we are about to enter the gauntlet like nothing we've faced before. Three of our next four games, Peter, let me run them off to you. SC, home to Oregon, home to Arizona State, at Washington. Three of the next four games, Washington, SC, and Oregon. This is where the season makes or breaks, baby. Yeah. yeah. You know, before the year, I was like, okay, we can go 11-1, 10-2 at that schedule. Then you had to readjust expectations it, it, with, with now cameraizing. If we can get through these next four, two and two, right? Two and oh, two, wow. that makes us yeah. seven and three going into the last two games of the year. I think that's remarkable. If we can just pick off one of these games at SC, 
or home to Oregon, because I think at Washington is just going to be too tall of a task. So if we can pick off one of these games at SC or at Oregon, I think we'll be sitting pretty well, personally. Um, Which of the two do you think is more likely? Of the two? Yeah. You know what? We're really tough at home. We're really tough at home. Um, But I still think SC on the road might be our best bet, because they just came out coming off a loss against Notre Dame. They could be deflated. I mean, you could always say, oh, it's tough to play a team after a loss. Maybe it could also go the other way. Like, they could be deflated because of their national championship hopes are burst. Yeah. Um, they, could, they could have a little bit of loss of confidence going this week. And we know that Utah plays SC really well. So I think of those three, I would put this weekend most likely, then Oregon second, and then at Washington a distant third. Um just because Washington's offense and the, and the and the method of their offense, which just throw it over the top all game long, is really goes against our weakness, which is our secondary, our cornerbacks specifically. Um, but anyway, we will talk. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. you know future yeah. games. All right. Uh, so on Saturday, we saw something where we saw that we have not seen, which was not, not only an improved offense, but a B minus offense, like like something that just wasn't just complete crap and boring. Yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't throw it all over the field, which is understandable given our quarterback situation. But we did have that nice long pass to McLean down the sideline, which was a uh, which was a huge play on, I believe, third down. Kept the drive going, then we scored after that. Um, we had a couple other mm, decent passes, mostly just short bubble screens and, and things like that. But you know what? It was enough to where the defense had to semi-respect the throw game to open up the running game, right? Jaquindon was back, and he looked bruising and powerful like he always does. He just looks so big out there. He did. He's a couple ta- couple missed tackles away from breaking some long ones, and he will. He'll, he'll, he'll break some long ones coming up here. But as we, as we mentioned, Vaki just looked awesome in that role. Um, and so maybe maybe piecemealing this offense together the rest of the year can actually get done what we need to get done. Not on a level of, of, of winning the league, I don't think, I'm afraid. Um, but on the level of getting us to nine wins, maybe, maybe 10 wins, including a bowl game, you know, which would be unbelievable considering our, 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 deep, our injury situation. So, I, you know, maybe they, they f- figured out a way to piecemeal an offense with a good running game, a wildcat attack of Vaki and just enough throws from Barnes to keep them on their toes. So, yeah, I, I mean, Utah football, let's put it this way. Utah football looked a lot more like Utah football on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just missing that running back room piece, it seems like. Yep, yep. I mean, our offense moved the ball, got points. Uh, our defense, Cal had a prolific offense, man. The week before they played us, they yeah. put up 40 points on yeah. Oregon State. Like, they can score. And to hold them to 14 was pretty remarkable. Um, I think that the play of the game, well, maybe it wasn't even the play of the game, it was the crowd of the game, yeah. was that ridiculous targeting call against Bishop where they reviewed it and still said it was targeting. I mean, it depends on which side of the aisle you fall on. I think it's stupid because uh, uh, Bishop didn't lead with his helmet. He turned completely to the side, almost hit him with like his ribs at that point, you know, but it was his shoulder pad that clipped the guy's face mask as the guy was falling down after the, the overthrow, right? So what the crap is Bishop supposed to do? Just like like turn around and like throw himself backward into the guy. Like I don't understand what he's supposed to do. He can't control what the no. cow guy's doing. No. Bishop did everything right. He turned his head, he led with the shoulder, and he went in almost sideways. And they still called the freaking targeting. And after that, when the reps said targeting confirmed, 
The place went nuts. nuts. Like I've never yep. seen it. Yep. Like booing ridiculously. It was there was so much energy from that point on, and it continued yep. on the rest of the game. Every <laughs> every commercial break was chance of rep you suck and big time boos, and it was really energetic. And the cool thing was, so after they got that first down from the targeting, then we just shut them down. It was like three straight, two straight runs where we stopped them at the line. The crowd was going nuts. Then an incomplete pass. Then they missed their field goal. Then two plays later, Vaki breaks off that 72 yard touchdown. Yeah. Game over at that point. The place is energetic. The crowd chanting, ref, you suck. Ref, you suck. Just and when boom. you say the crowd, where, I, do you know anyone that was instigating that? Uh, yes, me. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that one. I, I, started the, I started many times the ref, you suck chant. I, I, it, it, it carried I, over in W14 for sure. It did. And you know what? You get that north end zone going, then the whole stadium's all into it. And, it was it was a fun atmosphere. It was good to, to have a, a joyful game because honestly, at four and one before this game, none of the games felt like overwhelmingly awesome. Florida oh. started out amazing, but then it almost kind of had to clinch and hold on for the win because they were kind of driving towards the end. Baylor game was terrible. Weber State we didn't look spectacular. We you know UCLA was good, but it was all defense. And then we lose at Oregon State. So all five games leading up to it, it's like kind of like oh man. I haven't felt great, but after this game, I finally felt the euphoria that I usually yeah. feel after a, a big win. Okay, so back to the Bishop play. Um, I had two thoughts about it. Number one, the, the league, the, the punishment does not fit the crime there. Okay, fifteen yards. You know, it's a it's a fifty fifty choice. We'll give you fifteen yards, and you know, um, like he, he, there was no intent or all the, all those other little variables that you need to look at. But then. Um, you know, number two is, uh, and now he's out for the first half, as far as we know, against USC. Yeah, so the, they are going to appeal it. Um, Whit has said they're appealing to the league. They could appeal to see to reduce the suspension, which you're right. In and of itself, a targeting call, a 15-yard penalty, whatever, that's like a face mask. But the fact that they have to sit the rest of the game and yeah. the first half of next week, when they have a total of 12 games they get to play all season anyway, yeah. they spent all winter conditioning, all summer conditioning, all fall practicing for 12 opportunities to play. And you take an entire game away from them for a, a hit where he didn't even freaking do anything. The punishment is ridiculous. Yeah. They need to reassess how and, they handle targeting calls because they need to do, I think, I, I can't remember who I think it was Hans Olsen said it perfectly. It needs to be like soccer. Where we have a yellow card and a red card, you know, like uh, yeah. an unintentional targeting. It's just a penalty. If you're egregious and you do it twice, fine, kick them out. But to kick them out and take away not only that, but the next half of the game is ridiculous. The way I view it is like man, this appeals thing. It's it's going to be management against labor because honestly, we're not there to see the refs. And I know I I understand like it's a t tough job. It's like being a cop, you know, and it's thankless and all the things. And you need you need good officials, but honestly, like we're not there to see them. And so when it's fifty fifty, you, you got to err on the side of the kid, the 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 fans, the the effort that you were saying that he put into it. Um, and this appeal thing is going to be really interesting because it's it's kind of egregious, and I'm I'm curious if they still have to defend their Pac-12 shield. I don't know. I hope not, but it wouldn't surprise me because the league is so stupid the way it's managed, as we know. We can go over a litany of things, well, but yeah, it's, I, I have a feeling they're not going to overturn it because it's going to be like, oh, we got to protect our our referees, which is your referees suck. Your your whole your whole league sucks. It fell apart because you suck and you can't freaking manage anything. So have some brains here and look at the intent. The dude turned his head to the side and barely clipped him with his freaking shoulder pad, almost like I said, like his almost his ribs. He was doing everything he could to avoid a head-to-head -head contact. So have some freaking common sense and give right. the kid his half back against USC. Give me a break. Yep. 
Yep. Well, the other thing on that play too, I watched it live. I thought, oh, Bishop, don't go for the hit. You could you could have picked that ball. Actually, it was way overthrown. It and, was. And I'm I'm wondering if Bishop's watching that clip, not thinking about the targeting and thinking about I should have caught that ball. Yeah, he would. If he had been watching the pass, he would have picked it off because it went right by him as he was kind of looking to lower. But you know what? He was trying to separate the guy from the ball as you're taught, yeah. and he did it as he was taught, head to the yeah. side. Yep. And the, it just happened that the kid stumbled and fell face first into his shoulder pads. Like, give me a break, man. He wasn't intentionally targeting. Give him his, his hat. Give him his hat back. And it's, it's not like it's our, it's not our best player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, right now I give the defensive MVP to Jonah Ellis. I don't think you can you can argue any That's other a, way. That was the a, dude uh, is the nation's yeah. sack leader. Well, he's actually a half sack behind the, the leader, but... Per, per game, I think he's got more sack or per game, more sacks per game because the other guys played seven games, I think. Anyway, Jonah Ellis is just a beast out there, which is unbelievable because he was he was just lower, light, lightly recruited, lower rated kid from Idaho. Um, in that same class, we had two four star defensive ends, Van Fillinger and Xavier Carlton. And he's come in and is playing at an all American level. He is borderline unstoppable on the defensive end. He gets in the backfield, and he had one of the biggest plays of the game where he he sacked uh, the quarterback, and the ball came out inside the 10, and Bishop recovered it, forced a fumble. It was just like he's like an yeah. unbelievable player. I was going to so, say, I was going to start the next segment with who would be the midseason MVP, and I think you just answered it. Yep, Jonah Ellis, without question, and that's both sides of the ball. He's He's been our best player on both sides of the ball, definitely defensively. Um couple honorable mentions on defense. I'll give to Cole Bishop and Lander Barton. Both of them have played exceptionally well. We've got, man, we've got an awesome defense. And I don't want to I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to jinx it, but yeah. next year, bro, it could be spectacular all time if these guys come back. What I worry about is both Bishop and Ellis piecing out and saying, I'm gonna try the NFL, right? Which they they both could. They're both juniors. Um Barton has to stay at least one more year. But if Big if, if those guys come back, next year's defense could be best defense in the country. Because right now it's number nine total defense in the country. Next year could be the, the country's best defense if those guys come back. But we'll talk about that worry about that later. We do yeah. need another a, a true lockdown corner. That, that's basically our only weakness on defense. Not Any other? Line. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, not our D-line, not our linebackers, not our safeties. But corners are just pretty good. You know, they're they're good. They're they're But they're not like top level, which is what worries me with both SC, with SC Oregon and Washington is exploiting that because there's times where even against Cal where the receiver is wide open and just a missed throw or a little behind them and it could have been bad. Um, any other midseason MVPs? Uh, defensively, no, that, those three of our state midseason offense MVP. Yeah. Um, there's really, who can you say? Uh, maybe, maybe because of <laughs> one game. Um, I think, I think right now, of, of the healthy people on offense, our most important players, Jaquindon Jackson. Oh yeah. Um, if he could, if he could stay healthy, that would help quite a bit. But um, I don't know. I don't even know of an offensive MVP you can say we haven't done anything on offense. You know. I, I think you got to give Barnes his due. I think and just just like give him that trophy and. Well, you'll give it to him, but only based on super low expectations, right? <laughs> like he's not playing great offensively he's, hey. he, he did enough to manage the game on saturday he didn't i mean his qbr is really low um four and oh as a starter or three and oh 
yeah. Well, I mean, it depends if you count that Baylor win, you know, because the, he he uh, didn't win that game. That was Nate Johnson not. coming in winning that. That's true. Um, but I guess sure you got to give it to, to Barnes. I guess just based on lack of anybody else, you can give it to really. Dodge uh, Dodge Tacoma trucks for the MVP. Yeah, seriously. A couple of things I, I was also noticing. I watched tape. I went to the game and then I watched some tape last night, as 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 one does. And I am going to miss the Pac-12 Network, dude. It's I know. a good production, and they go in depth on the team you care about. I don't care about ratings. I just want to watch my team. Yep. You know what? Uh, that's one thing you cannot complain about. You can complain about distribution all you want because that's justified. Never on the direct TV. Hard to get, and it's been kind of a punching bag. But the production quality has always been awesome. They have good camera angles. They have quality camera angles. The analysts are great. And then you have guys like Yogi Roth who are knowledgeable, who are smart, who care about the teams they're covering. Yeah, the Pac-12 Network is uh, is a great, absolute great production. So, yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to miss that. I'm also – I know we've discussed this previously, but I am going to miss this league, man. I'm going to miss games against Oregon, Washington, SC. Those are those are big-time programs. We're going into a, a – Tier two league next year. We just are. There's no blue bloods. The Big Twelve absolutely sucks this year. You know, you know, Pete. Let me tell you how many ranked teams in the new Big Twelve are, are there are. Can you want to guess? Next year's Big Twelve out of all sixteen teams in next year's Big Twelve. Guess how many are ranked? Uh, ne- less less than one. One. <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> Utah. That's oh, yeah. it. That's us. Utah. Nobody else. And there's only like one or two others that are receiving votes. Even like they're. It's a very mid-league, especially I, this year. It's Oklahoma and Texas, and that's it, and they're gone. So Utah has the opportunity to go in and absolutely run roughshod over that AAC 2.0 league um, yeah. and dominate, especially if some way, somehow, Cam Rising and, and Keithy get medical red shirts and decide to come back. We'd be unstoppable next year. I'd, I'd expect us to go undefeated in that, that league and get the first playoff bid of the new Big 12 because um, it's just a, it's just a poor league. It's just It's just a... Badly. Is that going to affect us recruiting then down the road? You know, I always you always hear the the you are who you associate with line yeah. or you know yeah. type of thing. So I'm I'm afraid it might a little bit. the The good thing is it's not like we're recruiting at a top ten level anyway. We're we're in between twenty five and thirty five usually. I think if we go in and dominate that league and are continually ranked, I think we can stay at that level. Uh, it'll shift a little bit in where we get guys from. We get a lot of guys from California now. Um, I think Texas will become a bigger focus because there's four teams in our league from Texas, Houston, Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU, right? And so we're going to spend a lot of time in Texas so we get a, more guys there, which is great because that's where Jaquinn and Jackson's from. That's where Ty Jordan's from. That's where Mark, uh, no, not Marcus Williams. That's where Eric Rowe is from. There's a lot of a lot of guys, Brian Johnson, a lot of guys have come from Texas. So it's, it's a, recruital, a, a fertile recruiting ground. But it, it may affect us a little bit unless we're like, you know, like the like Clemson of the ACC. Clemson ACC has been mid. It's yeah. been it's been it's dogs a lot of criticism because Clemson's been at the top. But yeah. outside of Clemson, it's been trash for a decade. So yeah. I think we could be the Clemson of the Big Twelve. We could win that thing every year and be nationally ranked, and then it won't affect us then. But bottom line is, it's 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 a step down, man. It really is. People don't want to hear that, especially some of our uh, friends in blue who are this is their life dream to be in this league, but it's a step down from where we are now. There's no factual, no other way around it. Factually, statistically, um, brand wise, it's a it's a it's a step down. It's a tier two league, but it's okay. We'll go there. We'll dominate. Yeah, I mean, I was watching that Houston was a Houston West Virginia game on Friday that had the hail mary finish, 
Uh-huh. And I, I, I take in like the aesthetics, like the, the, the bleachers, the empty bleachers, then the coloring of the, the video of the, of the broadcast, like all the things. And honestly, I thought I was watching like an old Wyoming, Colorado State game. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, what you like. that, that's what's amazingly hilarious about all this is all summer when all this drama was going on, everyone kept saying, oh, the Big 12 is a football conference. They love their football. They, yeah. they, uh, the, the stands are packed. You make, they make fun of the Pac-12 attendance with Stanford and with Cal and blah, 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 blah. Well, what happens as the season progresses? We have seven freaking ranked teams in the Pac-12 and stadiums are packed. And then you look in the Big 12, Houston looked worse than Stanford's ever looked attendance-wise. It was completely empty. There's been empty stands at most of the freaking uh, stadiums this season. It's just it's just a joke, man. It's a joke. It's it's everything we were sold on. Oh, you'll love this because it's a football league and the teams are great. No, your teams are trash. Your stadiums are just as empty as any of the ones that you make fun of in the Pac-12. So freaking get out of here and leave us alone. All right, final question. Yes, sir. We'll wrap it up. What do you call – Saturday was kind of ideal. The weather was great. You know, I got home from the game around six o'clock, you know, sat out uh-huh. on the deck, grilled some wings or whatever. Weather was great, watching some football, feeling good about Utah's win. Check the score of the BYU game. They got their butts kicked. Something in me still cheers for that. I don't know what it is. Because uh, they yeah. suck and we hate them. There's something, you don't give me a something. Listen, freaking, let me, let me get the question. Now. Another freaking game, it'll be too soon, bro. <laughs> and then I watch USC lose, and I'm just like, can it get any better? Do we need to name Saturdays like this? What what would you call a Saturday like that? Oh, that was a celestial Saturday, I'd say. Was, <laughs> it was perfect, man. Utah Coin the phrase. get blown out. USC get blown out. You know, big games <laughs> in the Pac-12. That was quintessential fall Saturday in, in, in football season in October, man. That was a lot of fun. You had a this big USC-Oregon game, or Washington Oregon game that was fun to watch even though I only caught the last quarter because it was going on the same time as Utah game. But it was just, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a good Saturday. Um, Fact of the matter is, end of the day, we are halfway through the season. We are ranked number 14. We are 5-1 and with wins over Florida, SC, Cal, UCLA. Uh, You know what? It it feels pretty good to be where we're at. Things could change over the next four weeks because we got the juggernauts coming. We got the gauntlet coming. But the fact is, without our quarterback, without our star tight end, without our Supposed best receiver and most of our running backs were five and one in the top 15, and you can't complain about that. So I am grateful that we're in the middle of this football season. Huge game this week at SC. We'll have another podcast in a few days to preview that. But suffice it to say, it is huge, and I can't wait to enter that Coliseum and get that W. I and Salt Lake Jake, and I am out. Jake in Salt Lake City. Hey, Jake, how are you? Salt Lake Jake. 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 Salt Lake Jake.